Children often have the luxury of living in the present, void of responsibility, never worrying about the days coming or the days they left behind. Focusing on the challenges that exist in the present, every step, every turn to them often feels grand and change is sometimes unimaginable to them. Adults, on the other hand, are always working towards something. Happiness exists in the future. Adults live in the future or in the past and rarely in the present. Driven by the need to survive. To survive, we need money. But it is this very need that often corrupts, taking the form of greed and gluttony, consumerism and excess. In Spirited Away, we see how Chihiro navigates these pressures of adulthood and of the working world, and we see her mature from a spoiled, fearful, and apprehensive girl into someone who was confident and compassionate. Through Chihiro's lens, we see the nature of adulthood, gluttony, monotony, and greed that plague so many. Gluttony is explicitly shown through Chihiro's parents. Their appetite slowly becomes avarice as they overindulge, turning themselves into mindless pigs setting up the theme of consumerism that permeates throughout the entire film. But Chihiro's refusal to eat also demonstrates the power of youth and the moral fiber that she alone has. No Face and his journey is another representation of greed and gluttony. As he is served in the bathhouse, he eats everyone he encounters by offering them gold. Miyazaki presents us with the horrors of excess and materialism. Just like in real life, this film demonstrates that most things are okay in moderation. Chihiro is the shining example of that. When presented with more tokens than she needs to clean the bath in the bathhouse, she only uses two. When presented with gold that she doesn't need, she refuses it, claiming that she doesn't want or need it. Chihiro reflects the purity of youth and the refusal to be corrupted by the greed that comes with adulthood. While No Face is the one who eats all of the employees and offers them gold, he isn't the root of the issue. Greed, excess, and consumerism is the root of corruption in the bathhouse, the root of corruption in the world. No Face is simply a byproduct of the desire to have more than what we actually need. If each person refused No Face, he would have remained the same size and he would have disappeared, just like he did when Chihiro denied the extra bath tokens. Again, Chihiro is able to avoid these things because of her moral fiber, her youth, and because of the generosity and kindness that she quickly develops. We aren't explicitly shown the reasons she develops these traits, but I think that the compassion that she was shown by Haku especially, and later Lin, No Face, and Kamaji, played a big role in shaping her character. When Yubaba had taken Chihiro's name, her parents, and even her clothes, the witch had effectively taken her identity and it was one that she had to reconstruct all by herself. When she wept and finally bore her true emotions in the garden, it began a new chapter for her, one of bravery, where she took on the stink monster all by herself without complaining and without fear. Chihiro resigned herself to being kind, the traits that were shown to her. When she was beginning to disappear, Haku was there. When she felt alone, Haku was there to lift her back up and to encourage her to survive and to keep going. Haku was also the one who remembered her real name. And so, going forward, Chihiro shows this kindness to everyone she meets. She courageously saves the river spirit, heals Haku and no face with the magic ball that she was planning to use on her parents, and she brings along Yubaba's bird and baby, calling them friends. At the end of the film, she even thanks Yubaba herself. 
Chihiro's growth doesn't only occur internally, but in the way that she even interacts with familiar spaces. As Tracy Stuckey explains in their essay, in Chihiro's first encounter with the flight of stairs down to Kamaji's boiler room, she descends with hesitance and fear, but the next time she needs to cross a long pipe in order to save Haku, she does it courageously, knowing what's at stake. Stuckey writes, Therefore the space turns into an external reflection of the character's internal state, as this small moment shows us how far she has come. Which makes me think of the train scene that really hones in on Chihiro's growth. But before looking at the train scene, I want to go back to this idea of consumerism and the moments that precede the train scene, which show us a lot about the world that Miyazaki has created, one that is eerily similar to our own. Over the course of the movie, as aforementioned, Miyazaki consistently illustrates the horrors of the working world. In Yubaba's world, no one has a purpose if they do not work. During Kamaji's introduction, he calls himself a slave to the boilers that heat the baths. When Yubaba takes the workers' names, they become her property, and so they become slaves to the working world. From early mornings to late nights, they work. Kamaji is no different than the bathhouse workers. They go through the motions, cleaning all day, and at night they are met with terrible living conditions, as we see all of the workers bunched up together in that little space. This is followed by poor compensation and bad food. And to add on to that, they lose their names and their identities. This is a reality of the greed of adulthood. This is taken even further when Chihiro boards the train, and many spirits are shown. And these spirits are different. They're hollow, transparent, or dark silhouettes. They don't have faces or visible expressions, but they have clothes. Hats, ties, briefcases, symbols of the working world, of business, and of adulthood. These spirits board the train and they sit quietly, waiting to depart. Again, as they have no names or faces, work essentially does the same thing, reducing us to what we are able to provide and to do. We are not treated as people with emotions and expressions and needs and wants, but as bodies working until death. This is adulthood, a dark tale that warns us about burnout and monotony, but one that is often inevitable, as it is the way that many societies work. It's a tale that tells you how important it is to live in the present, and to try and be present in as many moments as you can possibly be. It instructs us to hold on to life and to savor it. In this movie, no scenes are wasted, every single moment is important. Missing time in this movie to look away and you'll miss the beautiful scenery or the incredible realism that is animated, like Chihiro clicking her shoes so they fit just right. And this train scene is no different. While nothing may be happening, coming in at about an hour and 40 minutes into the film, it gives Chihiro and us, the audience, some downtime. It gives us time to breathe, to decompress, and to collect our thoughts. A melancholic yet therapeutic scene. The long train ride showcases the distances between the houses and between the stops, and more spirits leave as they continue the train ride. The train then zooms past the father and daughter spirit, and it hits its second major stop. All of the spirits leave the train, and a little spirit girl can be seen lingering in the distance. This scene gives you a moment to process these ideas, 
it gives us time to just breathe. And the camera then returns to Chihiro's unflustered gaze. And this moment firmly establishes Chihiro's coming of age. You can see her entire journey on her face, how far she's come, how much she's grown. Even something so small as the bird and the mouse falling asleep on Chihiro's hand, you can see that confidence. This isn't the spoiled, scared girl from the beginning of the film, and she's shown so much courage in just an hour and 40 minutes. This scene, so minute, and one that could have been treated like any other, and yet Miyazaki decided to give his protagonist a moment of peace, and to give us a moment to immerse ourselves into this world. It's a minute and 40 seconds without dialogue, forcing us to grasp the somber yet lovely score by Joe Hisaishi. Nothing is happening, and yet so much is. The train scene and the scenes to follow just help in further demonstrating Chihiro's maturation and showing us how inspiring her journey was. Chihiro stayed true to who she was in a foreign world, begging her to change and begging to corrupt her. We saw Chihiro at her lowest moments, times when she wanted to give up. She wept and was downright terrified at some points, but she kept going. To live, to mature, and to change is to show courage at every single step of the way. On our journey through any sort of change, it won't be without fear and hardships, just like Chihiro's. But I think what's important here is to remain true to yourself and to remain compassionate. But also that that compassion doesn't mean sacrificing who you are. These are the things that will keep you sturdy in the face of change. Chihiro lost her name and her parents, but she never forgot who she was. I said that children are void of responsibility, but Chihiro represents the power and the one responsibility that children, that the youth, do in fact have. And that responsibility is to never give in to greed and excess, to never give in to the gluttonous consumerism that corrupts. Chihiro never did, but she did allow herself to change in other ways. By giving in to empathy, she not only regained her identity, but she moved forward with a newfound maturity and kindness that she didn't have coming into this foreign world. I can see why this is hailed as Miyazaki's magnum opus, because on all levels, Spirited Away is simply beautiful. <laughs>